0: But what I have over here are, are treats, literally treats um, that you guys should be dancing like kids on Purim or on Halloween. Literally candies over here. I got three books, yeah. and anyone wants to venture a guess what, the, what these books are? Uh, let's see. Can, we, can let's I see we read my the Hebrew? Hebrew is yeah. good
1: at, hal- 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 Not The bells. I'm bad enough
0: with the bells. Talmud to oh, wow. Oh, which means Babylonian Talmud. This is it. This is the famous Babylonian Talmud. This is the real thing. These are three books of the Babylonian Talmud. There's many, many, many more where they came from. But the reason why we're going to, the reason why it's a treat, because we're going to be analyzing today some of the books or the statements in these books of the Talmud and their uh, pertinent statements to our discussion that we have today. So our brother says, I want you guys, I want you to talk about the soul. And the soul. Soul is kind of this mysterious entity that we hear about, uh, we know about, we perhaps feel, but we need definitions on one hand. We need to know what what what, what, what exactly does it mean? What does do? What's its function? What's its role? How are we supposed to relate it? All those questions are not necessarily answered or addressed directly until now. And... Um, my brother tells me, I want you to give all the information about the soul, but to a point. I don't want you to tell me anything about the soul after the child's born. I want everything, all, the, all that the Torah says about the soul before birth, which I which I find to be incredible, because there's so much content, so much information, so much knowledge, so much wisdom, so much Torah statements regarding the soul or even the child in utero, uh, child at conception how where 's the soul where where's the child get when when is the child get the soul and what 's the role of the soul in, 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 in the child before the born all these very interesting things which are very insightful to us even us you know we are already born you know we are already here so it 's an idea the idea of gestation for us personally, but the lessons of the Torah and the insights that we can glean from what the Torah says about the child in and the soul. When it's uh, before it's born, teach us a lot about defining the soul, and also what's the role of a soul. So that's why it was written. Remember the word Torah, as we all know, the word Torah means instruction. Is that right? Torah means instruction. Why? Why would the Torah be called instruction? Because it's instructions. It's a roadmap. It's the blueprint. It's an instruction manual. It's the guide. Thus. Uh, you want me to sit over this no, it's fine. Good, good. I like to I keep my head on a sliver. Us on this side. Uh, it's called the Torah because it's instructions, inst- instructions. And thus, the statements of the Torah are instructive. So when the Torah gives us a lot of information about a child before they're born, clearly there's instructions for us. Even though we are already after that point. Thank God. <laughs> so, uh, so let's start with this. Life begins. Finish the sentence. According to Judaism. Life begins. At
1: birth.
0: At birth. At birth. Oh, that's what, yes. Not At nice. conception. Another guess. At first cry. Uh, At first cry. Yeah.
1: After.
0: After it's no longer considered, why do you know that? What
1: is it that? Because I go to a lot of
0: classes. After it's no longer considered water. What is well, it? You, no, well, okay.
1: okay. Water. So isn't that a conception?
0: No. No, When's no that? When's that? as That's that? Do you, know, do you know what that is? I
1: want to say after the first trimester I still...
0: So what you are referencing is the Talmud. said
1: elsewhere. <laughs> in the book so, they're, of they're
0: Yevamos and the Talmud of the book of Yvamos says yeah. that the first yeah. 40 days after conception the child is Maya de Alma, which is merely water so you're, you hit the nail on the head but I'm saying, you uh, I'm saying, you took that to mean that that's when life begins but I don't know when life begins I don't even know how, it depends how to define life but what the Torah tells us about children and about the formation of children and what spiritually happens to a child before they're born, and not only it starts by conception, it starts before conception. We find lessons or statements from the Torah. What happens to the child before conception? We say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Rabbi. If there's no conception, what are we talking about? The answer is, is that it's spiritual. Thus, spiritually, this we're not uh, bound to time, right? What is a prophet? What is a prophet? Someone who foretells the future. Moses, in writing the Torah, writes about the state of Israel and writes about the Holocaust. It's written there. i can show you where it's written. It's clearly uh, re- re- referred to that, and I have it all, uh, I have uh, I have just uh, simple and. Uh, sophisticated proof that it's clearly written there. So uh, well, what, But Moses died 3,300 years ago. Well, the idea of a prophet is that they're not bound to time because they're so enmeshed, so submerged in spirituality that they're able to gain a spiritual sense that doesn't make them bound to time and space. Now, what's the most spiritual thing in the world? Or in, of all? What's the most spiritual thing of all? That's right! Does God have a bound to time and space? Absolutely not. We're physical. Physical. We're limited, right? We can only exist today, right now. Right? What happens yesterday? What happened yesterday? Well, that's uh you know that's a that's for us that we'll never be able to recapture that. However, that still lives with us because we have a spiritual element to us as well. But we cannot. I can't see what's happening behind there. Why? I can't see what's happening in the, in the vestibule of, of the shul. How come? Well, there's something blocking me, and 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 I'm limited that my eyes only see as far as uh, there's no uh, obstacles. Right, that's a limitation. That's a human limitation because we're visible. Right? The Almighty right knows where everything is, sees everything. How does He see everything? What about what's what's under the table? Right, because my is not bound to those restrictions. Right, completely spiritual. That doesn't uh, hinder. So the chai, So spiritually, there are things happening before. Conception. The Talmud says, 40 days before conception, a baskol yotzes vo meres, i which just saying in the Hebrew. Anyone here speaks Hebrew? But <laughs> it should just go straight to English. Yes, 40 days before conception, a prophetic voice announces, The daughter of so and so shall marry this child, yet unborn. The the house, so-and-so, will be the location of this person's house. And this will be this person's field. Thus, the most important decisions of someone's life, who they'll marry, where they're going to live, buy their house, the biggest investment for most people, and how they're going to achieve their livelihood, their field. Those are already predetermined before the child's born. Well, it means spiritual. Well, so, so that's a great example. Like, spiritually, if you would project this child, that's what they would happen. Of course, someone could change that. So, an abortion, what abortion is doing, it's tampering with the spiritual uh, uh, direction. Of course, of course, we have the free will to make those choices. And our free will has impact. So, if someone would have lived to 100, but uh, you know, when they were. Uh, when they were, you know, 25, they decided to jump off a roof, jump to a conclusion, wink, wink, right? What they're doing is that they're tampering with, because they have free will. Free will enables a person to change and alter uh, the trajectory of their life. So yes, which the guy would have lived. <laughs> you asked me, I was healthy, his heart was working well, and eh, he had a very low cholesterol, and he did lots of exercise. They jumped off a roof and he killed it all.
1: So we're so, not saying life begins,
0: you're saying there's a spirit. I'm saying, uh, right, I didn't say the that life begins, That's that's true. What I'm saying is that the information that the Torah tells us about a child does not, it starts even before conception. And it tells us, let's repeat, who is going to marry, where he's going to buy a house, where he's going to live, and how he's going to make a livelihood. Now these are the core things that we spend our lives with. We spend our lives with, you know, the person we share our lives with, you know, where we're going to live, where we spend our time, and what we do. And what the Torah is telling us, this is all predetermined. Now I ask you a question, Rabbi. So it's all predetermined. This is, what's the point of telling us? Where's the Torah? Where's the instruction in that? That's the right question you should be asking. You say, Rabbi, you just told us five minutes ago the Torah instructions. Where's those instructions? How does it change my life whatsoever? If you know, it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to be very very instructive. So what do we do when we find a Torah that's not very, what we find considered to be very not very instructive? We gotta think. We gotta contemplate. We gotta find the instructions. You with me, everyone? So, Torah's telling us whatever a person's gonna, whoever a person's gonna marry, where they're gonna live, and what they're gonna do for life—that is all predetermined. What's the idea? Yeah, yes, yes. I get confused
1: right here whenever you say there's free will that like can alter, but then everything's predetermined. I mean, that's kind of an oxymoron.
0: That's right. That's a very good question. That's a very good question. So. Let me say what I'm going to say, and after, and after if, if it's still a problem, then you'll, you'll bring the question on okay? Perhaps the Torah is really telling us, is that these things, when we evaluate a person, right? when you evaluate someone, when you meet someone, us physical people, when we meet someone, what do we think? Well, who they're married to? Where do they live? What do they do? That's what we ask someone. Oh, this is your wife. Oh, where do you live? Oh, what do you do? Right? These are the questions that we ask. When God asks, He says, "Ah, it's all predetermined. It's not even what we're talking about." Before the child is even born, forty days before the child is even conceived, that's already off the table of importance. But the Torah is telling us it's not just telling us, "Oh, it's predetermined." You know, so how is that relevant to me? What it's saying is, from God's perspective. From a spiritual perspective, the things that we, as physical bodies, what we value, what we talk about, doesn't matter. It was, ready, it, was ready, it was off the table of interest 40 days before conception. That's not what God cares about. What we care about is everything spiritual, is our soul. So yes, does it mean necessarily that these things are set in stone as to this is the person i are going to marry? No, I, I think there's, it goes much, much deeper than that. Your question is a good question. What happens when there's God has a plan and and someone alters it? You know, how do those things coexist? It's a very good question, and it's a whole class. And maybe if you guys, if I get invited back, we could tackle that discussion. But, you know, but you know, I sorry. think, yes, go ahead. Also the fact that it takes two people to make a person. That's right. And but, let's say,
1: say, right, but let's say let's say they meet. Two weeks later, they're married. Two weeks later, they have conceived. That's thirty days, okay? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you're talking forty
0: days before. Oh yeah. So, but how did you even know? That's the that, point. That, it's, it, it, it's not. It's not what you know. it's it a prophetic voice. Prophecy is not bound to time. Prophecy is not. Prophecy is not bound to time. But we're, I think we're getting too caught up in the details. We have to zoom out and say, what's the lesson? The details is a discussion that Monaco is asking, that you're asking about. Uh, uh, that, those are the details. Oh, wait a minute. So, no, we're going to marry? Well, what if, uh, uh, what if that person's the other end of the world? Or uh, what if the house, someone else bought it? What if, you know, what if it goes to foreclosure? What if I buy two houses? Well, which one was it talked about? Right? These are a lot of questions that we could ask in the technical nitty-gritty of this Talmud. But what's the lesson? That's my question. I think the lesson is that from the spiritual-centric view of what's-a-man... What's important? Those things, they were discussed before anything even happened. It's not relevant. That's not, when you come to the game that is life and the opportunities and the pitfalls and the ups and the downs and, and the responsibilities that we have here in life, ultimately from the spiritual sense, those things are not that important at all. Idea, that's just an idea. Idea number two here. This is kind of along the same lines. The Talmud elsewhere, the Book of Nidah, sixteen b, it says, "a an angel." Remember, angel, spiritual. Just remember that as a uh, as a as a disclaimer, this is a spiritual idea that we're looking at. An angel. Okay, ready? Listen to this, guys. An angel who is in charge of conception. The angel's name is called Lila. Lila means night. The name of the angel. Okay. He takes a tipa. Tipa means a drop. It's a reference to a seed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Shmo, his name is, his name is, that's his name. Shmo means Shem Shalom, his name. Yeah, it's not, well, I'm saying.
1: Yeah, whatever. Yeah. To what it went from a female to a
0: male all in one? No, place. no, 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 no. Lila no. means Lila is yeah. his name. His oh,
1: Lila is his name. Yeah, oh, like uh, we right. think
0: well, of Lila, Lila Lee. Remember her? Muhammad Ali's daughter. Right. Sorry, <laughs> that's right. It's this true. angel is masculine. Oh. Remember, angels <laughs> don't have genders, right? Because they don't, you know. Right. But the the the, the, the in in the Hebrew, uh, it's evident. From the grammar, that this is a, a male, a masculine. So I don't know if that male or female, but it's masculine. Either way, the angels hold Lila, and they and the angel takes a drop, a drop of seed, and presents it to the Almighty, and he asks the Almighty, "This drop, what will be on it? Will this drop be a strong person or a weak person? Will this drop be?" smart, intelligent, or wicked. Oh, I'm sorry, or, or not, not wicked. Or, or, or fickle-minded. Or, you know, will be intelligent or not so smart. Everyone's so sharp. Um, or will the, this person be wealthy or poor? So, like, what's determined? Right? This is the angel which is in charge of conception. So this is before conception. We have that one drop that's going to produce this, this sperm that's going to produce the baby. And we say, well, what's the sperm? What's the qualification? Is it strong or weak? Is it intelligent or silly or dumb? Is it, is it wealthy or is it poor? That's all asked of the Almighty. the Almighty. says, okay, it'll be wealthy, it'll be strong or weak or poor, whatever. That's already, that's already determined before conception. However, what is not determined is will they be wicked or righteous? And from that, the Gemara concludes all is in the hands of heaven aside from fear of heaven. everything is like, so to speak, predetermined, besides for what a person could do on their own, and that's the spiritual things. And I think that these two lessons that we learned about mirror each other. And that is that, what do we value? What do we, when someone shows up, when someone's prideful of something, what are they prideful? One of three things. Their materialism, their physicality, Right? Uh, I'm really strong, I'm really intelligent, or I'm really wealthy. Those are basically the three themes. And what does the Torah tell us? Those themes we don't care about. Before you were born, it was determined. Doesn't I mean, it was actually determined. more about hard work. Of course, that, that's if we get into the technical aspects. But the lesson, the lesson is that those themes are, not, are immaterial in, in how we view men. Before the person was even made a man, before conception. That's when it was important. That's when it was even discussed. Afterwards, it wasn't discussed at all. So, when we start talking about what the Torah tells us about um, the child in utero, we find out some very interesting insights for us in life. You know, if I were to ask you a question, okay, from those two Talmudic sta- statements, number one, that there's a prophetic voice 40 days before conception, who they'll marry, who, um, uh, where they'll live, and and uh, and what field they're going to own? Number one, number two, that the angel presents the seed in front of the Almighty before conception, and asks, you know, is to be wealthy or poor, intelligent or, or or not not so sharp, strong or weak. From that we learn what we learn priorities. We learn uh, what's important on the spiritual centric of man, and what for us is important, only because we're physically wired. Only because our vantage point, our perspective on life, is one of our body and less of our soul. We are body first, soul second. When you ask someone, what do you care about? Typically, ask the average American, it'll be one of these things. Who I'm going to marry, who I'm gonna be with, you know, hang out in bars, or whatever, meet people, relationships, right? That's what they care about. Number two, right? Where am I gonna buy a house? Where am I gonna live? Oh, yeah, this house is really nice. That house, which neighborhood should we live in? And number three, what am I gonna do for a living? That's what people talk about. And what are they prideful about? What are their accomplishments? Muscles, you know, go out to work and I work out and yeah, look at me, I'm very strong. Oh, I'm very intelligent, yeah. I may or may not have gone to an Ivy League school. I'm actually really smart upstairs, you know. And my money, that's what people are proud proud about. Why are they proud about that? Why is that what us humans value? When the Torah, the spiritual-centric perspective negates that, it's all before you're born. It's not even important. It's off the table. By the time you're, you're even conceived, because we have diametrically opposite perspectives and vantage points in life. We see the world through the glass or through the prism of physicality, of our body, right? Our body, we feel it. It's there. It's, a, it, it's, it's our consciousness, you know? If I go like this to your eyes, you were a little closer, you were a little blinked. I don't know if you did blink or not, <laughs> right? You blink. Why do you blink? Because your body's just wired with all those instincts to, you know, that's what, that's, that's what you are. If I say, you know, um, if I give you a little punch in your arm or give you what we used to call a dead leg. I don't know if they still call it dead leg. remember that? Where you give someone, I, well, of course I didn't do it. Well, maybe I did <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You give like a little kid, you put your knee like right over here. Oh, yeah, it's called a dead leg. Like, ooh, so painful. Right? You feel pain. Where do we feel pain? Our body. You know why we, we don't feel pain of our, our, of our soul? Because it's buried deep within ourselves. What we feel, when, you think of, when we think of ourselves, think of our body. When we, someone dies, God forbid, right? We're all so sad. Why are we sad? Because we associate someone with their body. And if their body is submerged in the ground and rotting away, the person's gone! Well, what? but they're not gone because they still have a soul the soul is still intact perfectly my grandfather wrote in his last will and testament he wrote that you should know if you were close to me when I was alive you should know we could be even closer after death why? because essentially the soul is just removed from the body and that's why the person dies but the soul is still intact the body starts withering away Ten minutes after, uh, ten minutes or twenty minutes after, the, the body stops stops working. The body already starts decomposing and starts starts getting cold. It's 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 over. It's over. <laughs> within the day itself, oh, you gotta put it away. For us, it's so traumatic, it's so painful because we view the world physically. We see someone, we see their body. Therefore, if the body's no longer working, the person's disappeared forever. What is the Torah? How does God view us? How is the spiritual centric view of humans? We see a soul. Well, what happened to the soul after that, that? Nothing. The soul's just fine and dandy. So the soul is as alive and awake and as unhindered and as untethered as it was in the body. Much more so. Where did it go? That? That's a good question. It's a very good question. What happens to the soul after death? That's a question that we have to discuss. So we have two more classes You have to invite back for. Monica's question, your question. But we believe in the soul. That's the topic of the conversation. And from the soul's perspective, death is merely an unshackling of the soul from the body. Our soul is buried so deep within ourselves that when we see the world, we evaluate, we make decisions We think, and we don't ever consult with our soul. We make evaluations. We make make calculations. We make decisions in our lives. And what are we using? Our bodies. Our physicality. We make decisions. What's important to us? Do we say, what's important to our soul? Or what's important to our body? If I gave you the punch in the arm or the leg, you would feel it. Because you (laughs) are wired to feel pain and pleasure of your body. But only your body. If you're thirsty and you drink water, you feel really good. When you eat matzah or you wear tfilin, it's the same thing to your body as a glass of water. If you haven't, if someone's walking through the desert and someone gives them a glass of water, it's a tremendous pleasure. Our soul is also walking through the desert, and the tefillin is the glass of water. And if we could feel our soul, that's what we would feel exactly, no, no different. So there's this reality that's the parallel reality of the soul and our body, and how God sees it versus how we see it, or how our soul sees it versus how we live. And it's on one hand, it's very comforting. It's the idea of, of, of the soul and the spiritual not being bound to time and being eternal. Like that's kind of a very nice feeling to think about all this, everything that we do, it's you know, it's like a race to the it's a race to the end, you know? It's like we're all gonna die at the end, right? We're all gonna die. So what's the point of it? It's not going to last, but it will last. Our body won't last. Physically, we're going to decompose, all of us. But there's some legacy that we're going to have that's eternal. And that's our soul. But, at, but we don't feel our soul. The Torah gives us these lessons, these lessons of what happens to a child even before they're born teach us this great lesson. Let's move on to the next thing. To the soul. So what's, what's the soul? In fact, what's the um, what's this harmony that we have between this, or I wanna, harmony is the worst word I could have ever used. Sorry. What is this marriage of our soul and our body? Unfortunately as we know, marriage and harmony don't necessarily go hand in hand, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's man? So what's the Hebrew? Anyone knows what the Hebrew word for man is? Adam. adam. Thank you. Everyone said it at the same time. Adam. We know in Hebrew, there's a great principle in Hebrew, where uh, the etymology of the word reveals the nature of the word. The word Adam means man. The word Adama means earth. So Adam, Adama, sounds very similar. The word Adameh means I will be like, be similar to. So the Talmud tells us that Adam, man, is half Adama, half Earth, half Adameh, half be similar to. And it says similar to who? Similar to what? Similar to God. Man is this marriage of a physical body that when you put it in the ground, it just... You know, it just gets decomposes, and after, after some time, the body just becomes no different than the earth around it. Right? God created man, for the, you know, the the, the, the from earth. Says so in Genesis, right? That's on one end. That's our physical body. Our soul is Adamus, similar to God. We have a, a a fusion of our body, a body and soul of two radically opposite. Uh, elements our body which is the lowest thing, simplest thing, earth it's just on the floor always, sedentary doesn't get impressed by anything just stays there, just nothing and a soul that's similar to God, creator of heaven and earth we're told, Jewish people like the sand and like the stars, remember that? Abraham's told by God, your kids will be like the sand and the stars so typically we think about that. there will be a lot of them, it's a lot of a lot of grains of sand, a lot of stars in the universe. Okay, that's one way to look at it. What's the difference between a granule granule of salt uh, of sand versus a star? Right. Star can be many many hundreds of times the size of our Earth. Right? It's it's this it's this uh, um, a spectrum with these opposites where the body is like the sand. It's just it's nothing. It's not it's not relevant. It's not it's not lasting. It's not it's immaterial, so to speak. And the star could be like the sun, which probably provides illumination to the entire world. Without the sun for a half a second, we'd all be done. If it's only a little bit closer, a little further away, it's like the sun. You can't even look at the sun. Right? And our souls, compared to the sun elsewhere, just remarkable force, remarkable energy. We're a fusion of those two. That's what man is. Half body, half soul. Go ahead.
1: Rabbi, I thought that um, your soul gets like recycled. That's back to your question for the for the other so class.
0: We have to be invited for. After I, I have to be invited back for, which is oh, what happens after sorry, you die. After oh. we die we'll have no, 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 no. Way before then.
1: All right. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. It's a good question about how reincarnation works. And... Go ahead. don't realize that God is always in contact with us. We cannot. We can't exactly, like I said. If we drink the water, we feel we feel it right away. We do the mitzvah, we don't feel anything. No, Usually not. We we eat matzah it doesn't feel spiritual. It feels oh, like a cracker. <laughs> he's
1: working day and night
0: on our food. Well, not even not even that. It's like a proxy, so to speak. It's 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 an entity within ourselves that is like God. Pretty incredible. So that's what human is. I asked you, what's the Hebrew word for human? For man? Mankind, Adam. What does that mean? What does it tell us about the very fabric, the makeup of man? Is that man by definition is half body, half Adamah, half something like God, Adamah, the soul. you say to me, Rabbi, you're telling me the soul's like God? Well, actually I am. In fact, I have the Talmud that corroborates that. And hopefully we get to it at the end of our discussion today. The Talmud says that puts God and the angels And, and a human soul on the same pedestal, which is remarkable. So, so that's what humans are. Thus, this marriage is a marriage of, imagine a marriage where people couldn't, the two people on on the marriage couldn't be any more different. They're just opposites. They have different ways of doing every single thing in the world. They're exact opposite each other. Is this a marriage that's likely to last or not? What do you guys think? Usually not, right? Usually right. Is that right? There is no marriage of two humans that is more radically opposite than our body's marriage to our soul. Nothing. Nothing. They're so different, they literally couldn't be any further away from each other body And the soul. So I said it's it's a marriage, but it's not a harmony. And the, and the midrash tells us that every single second our soul wants to escape from our body. It's like it's such oppression, such suppression, such pain our soul has every second it wants to leave. So it's one It's one what? So What's you're saying it's one that's not
1: suicide?
0: Well, no, not kumetsu, sorry, to commit suicide, to just escape the misery of, uh, of being with being in such close contact with the body. Because they're just opposites. It's like, you know when you have two magnets? You guys know about magnets. And then you put them on the opposite side, and so they repel each other? You know how they do that? Magnets are that's what it's like. They are they, they they're forces that contradict each other. Self-contradictory forces. But God, every second, commands the soul to stay within the body. This is by design. This marriage of disharmony, right? united by God. What's our job in life? How would you explain our mission in life? Our mission is to make harmony in this horrible marriage, or ill-suited marriage. That's our mission. To create unity. To create equilibrium to make harmony between these opposite entities, body and soul. That's our, our mission in life. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do take people that are so different, make them, make harmony, become more God? Ooh, yeah. Booyah. Booyah! <laughs> our job in life is to take our physical body, Adama earth, physical, all it cares about is those six things we talked about. It cares about who we're going to marry, and where we're going to live, and what we're going to do for a living, and how we're going to make more money, and be more wealthy, and be stronger, and be more intelligent. That's all it cares about. And bring its agenda closer to what the soul's agenda is. To uplift the body, Mitzvahs. We talk about mitzvahs. How many mitzvahs? Do we have? Well, hundreds of mitzvahs. What's the purpose of the mitzvahs? To help us along that path. To take our but mitzvahs are done primarily with our body, right? We work tefillin around our body. Right? We do. We say blessings. We study Torah with our with our body. Why? What that does? It takes our body and it makes it more spiritual. Every mitzvah we do, these opposites. <clears throat> Become a little closer. Our body becomes a little bit more spiritual and a little bit less repulsive and repugnant and repellatory towards our soul. And the more misses we do, the more our body becomes uplifted, the more spirituality we bring into our lives the closer our body gets to being in harmony with our soul. The less it wants to escape. Now, who was the greatest man that ever lived? Richards. Greatest man that ever lived. That's right, Moshe. And if you guys want to take a look at some mind-blowing midrash, remember I told you guys Every single second, the soul wants to stay in the body. Every single second, soul wants to. Every single second, for the soul, death is a liberation because it finally could shed itself of this horrible influence of the body. There's a midrash that tells us what happened to Moses when Moses died, and it tells us that Moses' soul absolutely refused to leave its body. Moses is made his man to live. What does that mean? Definition. He accomplished his life goal in a better way than anyone else. He uplifted his body. His body was no longer opposite to his soul. He took the earth, he took the sand, and made it like the stars. So his, his soul says, I'm not leaving. So God says, an angel said, remarkable. It's a very long midrash. But if you get your heads, it's the very last midrash, an old midrash drop. Only at the end of Deuteronomy where Moses dies. God sends the angels. Come take the soul of Moses. So the angel Gabriel comes and says, I want to take the soul of Moses. And the soul says, Uh-uh, I ain't going nowhere. I want to stay here. He says, Well, you come be with the Almighty. He says, I don't care. I'd rather be in the body of Moses. What? You'd rather be in a body? What does that mean you want to be in rather be in a body? The bodies are horrible. The bodies are terrible, gruesome, putrid, repugnant, repulsive. Why would you want to be in a body? The answer is because Moses, greatest man that ever lived. What does that mean? He uplifted his body to such a degree that his body was no longer physical. His body was no longer driven by the physical. He didn't care about anything else. All the money and all the honor and all the the nonsense that our body values, Moses didn't value that at all. Well, Moses' body, even his body, was a wonderful receptacle for his soul. Thus, Moses says, Moses' soul says, Sorry, there's no there's, there's no, there's no, place I'd rather be than in the body of Moses. What about Elijah? Uh, yeah, so Elijah's, Elijah's, um, obviously another great, a great man, um, another great man, Elijah, and he, he went up in chariots. Is that what you're referring to? He didn't die. Yeah. So there's a few people that that, that, that they didn't die, and this is. Um, well, that's another, another yeah, example. Yes. Well, we don't have that same narrative with Elijah, but we do have this same idea where the body, Elijah, Elijah he didn't die because usually, we'll get this a little bit later, death is separation of soul and body. And we talked about our responsibility as having the, the, the body become uplifted to the soul. What happen, what's the opposite? If someone just sins and just lets the body just take over their life, what happens? The soul gets dragged down into the body. So not only is the body not uplifted, but the soul is pull is pulled down. Thus, the soul becomes mixed up in the body. So a definition of, of, of death for most people is you gotta pull the soul outside of the body because it becomes so enmeshed and enshrouded and embedded into the body. As opposed to a few people, it says Jacob didn't die, Elijah didn't die. It means because their body was it was so seamless. Because the body was never influencing the soul, only the soul influencing the body. So that's that's a so kind of parallelism. Oh, wow. Like, so what what it says is that Moses died a misas nishita. Uh, this is the most seamless form of of death. And in fact, I'll tell you guys a cute little cute little secret in the Book of Brachos. says that there's 903 different levels of death. Now what does it mean a different level of death? Death is death is death is death. That is, there's 903 levels uh, of degree of enmeshment of the soul and body. So the more the body drags the soul into the mud with it, the harder it is to pull the soul out of the body. That makes sense. The closer the, the 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 or or the the more ensconced the soul gets into the body, the harder it is to undo that. Unfortunately, a lot of people instead of having their body uplifted, they drag their soul down, and therefore, what happens to that is is that it's more it's harder to undo that. I don't know anything about ghosts, but what it says like this: it says. Uh, the Talmud says this is in broken I wasn't planning talking about it but thanks for reading it up. The Talmud says that there's 903 levels of death. The worst one is called Askara. And Askara is akin to pulling thorns or pulling thorns out of wool. So imagine you have let's say a sheep that gets ran through a bunch of thorns. So now there's all these thorns caught up into the tight tight uh, uh, ball of, of wool. you got to pull it out. But you pull it out, little bits of wool come along with the thorns, a little bit of thorn gets stuck in there because it, it gets in so tightly. You know, it's, a, it's such a mess and so hard to undo. That's the worst kind of death. The best death's called Neshika, what Moses had, and that is like pulling a hair out of a glass of milk. Very seamless. You know, the, the, the soul was not dragged down at all into the nonsense of the body. Uh no, we're not going to say that. Your your conscious in Jewish in Jewish literature called your lave, otherwise, or known as your heart. Uh, what the soul is? So my grandfather gave a great definition of soul. It said, um, "Shalhevet Ya," verse in, um, in I think the song of songs. Are, uh, I think it's the songs of songs? Shalhevet Ya, which means the flame. Of God, you know this class is part of the Shalhevet program, right? Shalhevet means flame, fire, right? Shalhevet, ya means the fire of God. That's how he's. That's, that's that's how King Solomon described our soul. Our soul is the fire of God within ourselves. Like I said, it's compared to God in 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 uh, many 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 different ways. Okay. Wow, we still have so much more to go here. How, uh, how, uh, what's the, is it a firm 8.30 that we're done? Or would get a little over time? We still have some time, I know, but. Okay, good. So we, we have some more time. Okay, good. Okay, so when does the child, when does the child get the soul? So we're talking about what happens before conception. When does the child get the soul? No, I said four days before days conception, there's the prophetic voice. When does the child get the soul? you get the, uh, uh, get, the, uh, get the soul. So there's a, a great debate here in the Book of Sanhedrin, and it kind of, it's, it's, you know, we're told who the two members of the side of the debate. is very interesting. Um, there was a, a Roman emperor whose name was Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, and he was a close friend of the Jews, and he, in fact, was a, was a, a comrade of Rabbi Judah Hanasi, Rabbi Judah the Prince, And they would often engage in uh, philosophical discussions that the Talmud records. Rabbi Yehuda Nasser, the prince, went on to write down the Mishnah, to quantify the Mishnah. But because he had such a close relationship with the Roman leadership, they allowed such a monumental project to be undertaken. So he asks a bunch of questions about the body and soul. Antoninus and Rabbi had had a, a dialogue. Back and forth about the soul and the body, etc. One of them I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave till next time here. But then he asks he asks two questions. He says, When does a child get a soul? When does a child have a soul? So that's the question Antoninus asked asked Rabbi Judah the Prince. So he says. Uh, so they prove that it must be from conception. Why? The example they give, this example is very interesting. It says, is it possible to have a piece of meat and not salt it and, if, and for it to not uh, to not get spoiled? We know that in back in the day, if you wanted to preserve meat, you would have to salt it. That would preserve it. So so, too, says Antoninus, and Rebbe acquiesced or agreed to that, that if you have it for even a second, if you have a body that does not have, or any physicality that doesn't have, uh, doesn't have a, um, a soul, it's, the soul is compared over here to what preserves, what maintains the body. It's just like the salt preserves and maintains the meat, so too, the soul preserves and maintains the body. The idea being, perhaps, that the soul gives life to the body. Maybe this might go back to answer your question. It's a life-giving. Um, well, yeah, but it's it's it depends. So life begins, but but with regards to your question, you seem to be asking the whole abortion question. So. Um, I don't, want to get, I don't want to go down that line. It's a third class that we need to arrange. Um, I keep bringing it back to that. No, I'm fine to talk about this because I know I, I, I kind of asked for it by saying life begins at conception. But the life, as in the existence of a soul begins in conception, does that necessarily mean that abortion would be akin to murder? No. No one would argue that. Uh, because the Talmud does give kind of uh, uh, the extremes of of the abortion debate are discussed and clearly. Uh, the fundamentalist Christian idea of of any form of abor- of abortion is akin to flat out murder. Is not uh, is not what we, the Jew- the Jewish belief as to what is the Jewish belief. It's somewhere in the middle. You know, um, the idea of just wholesale abortion and just you know just you know living with your mistakes and just getting over with and you know that's also not a Jewish idea of just. Discretionary abortion for no reason. So it falls somewhere along those lines. There's a lot of different opinions. So is it
1: identified in the well, Abortion?
0: Yes, it is discussed. It is discussed. Is it, it is clarified. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of material in it. I've spoken enough. I would advise if you want to hear more about that. I've given several classes on the subject. Go to my website, RabbiWalby.com website. Uh, and just on Sunday, I uploaded my two hundredth class to the website. So you go there and go to the search bar and click abortion. You should see I have uh, I believe two or three different times I've discussed it. Uh, ooh, another good question. It's another good question. Uh, so that that relates to her question: if if the soul is the consciousness or not? So so uh, yeah. But right now we have a few definitions. We have it's a good question. Um, uh, I don't know, I'd assume that it's still there, otherwise you'd be dead, uh, by definition. So, where is it? It's, I don't know, it's a good question. Uh, But we have this description of the soul being the flame of God, and it being life-giving. On more detail, we find in the Book of Nida, we find the statement here, there's three partners in man. Every man has three three partners. Who are those three partners? I don't want to guess. Who are the three partners that contribute to man? His father, his mother, and the Almighty. The father, and the mother, and the Almighty. The father gives him five themes, physiological themes. The mother gives him five and the Almighty gives him ten. And of that ten is uh, the soul. And then God tells, uh, and then it says like this, and that's what it, so, that, so uh, we're all composed of something from our father, something from our mother, and something from the Almighty. And what happens? When the, when the, when the Almighty decides that it's time for us to pass, he takes what he gave and he leaves what the parents did. The parents gave uh, bones and sinews and blood and brain, like all the physical things, all the hardware. And what did the Almighty give? All the software. You know, the difference between hardware and software is that hardware is what you can see. You know, you get touch. You see, like, there's a brain. There's, hey, there's limbs. There's, it's a body. It's, you can see and touch it. But it doesn't work unless it's got the software. What's the software the soul so the Almighty pulls out the software once again it's like yes you can have some sort of mass of cells but what makes it alive what gives it life the fact that it has a soul in it. if it didn't have a soul it would all would be just a, you know a hunting mass of, of, of dead oh you want to read them I'll read them to you okay uh, I'll read it to you ready and there's five of the father five of the mother as well. Uh, ruach, which means spirit; neshama, soul; cluster ponim, the uh, countenance of the face; reias enayim, the vision. So you have an eye, but the eye doesn't work. You know, some people have eyes, but they're blind. So the vision of the eye, hearing of the ear, the ability to speak, the ability to walk. Bino means insight. hostile is another form of intelligence. Intelligence. Those are the ten. Ruach Neshama Chast upon Him Riyas Ozen Dibur Pali Chodlayin Bina uh Sorry, that's, on, that's only uh, It's only nine. Oh, so maybe it's only nine. Yeah, so it looks like it's only nine. Ruach Neshama thing upon Him
1: Riyas
0: <laughs> Well, different elements of the soul. Like if we want to break this down, we talk about the five different elements of the soul Chaya, yichida. That's right, because it, 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 there's, the, there's, the, uh, there's the general category, which is called soul, and then there's, break it down to the components of the soul. So you have the ruach, the shama, the nefesh, the chayah, and yichita. If you want to hear more about this, I would advise you to listen to some of the Kabbalah stuff that they always talk about. What are the roles, and you know, what do animals have? Animals have some sort of spirit, some sort of life that they have to them, but they don't have human souls. So they have some of the five, but not the others, etc. And there's higher levels, lower levels. Well, yeah, but they, they don't have the same as a human soul. It's not at all the same. So they're not capable of free will, right? Uh, an animal can't decide to go to Hunter Strike. Not possible. Uh, because we have a more, much more sophisticated. Yeah, but that's not a hundred strike. A hundred a hunger strike means, uh, uh you know, uh, you know, because that's emotionally, you know, it's like the fact that animals feel feel the same love for their children as humans do. That's not where we're different. We're different. we we're in, in our intellectual means. That feeling pain and pleasure is not a uniquely human experience. Uh that that's why that's the reasons one of the reasons why we uh we uh, the mitzvah Shulu can send away the mother or we take away they would take it with the baby or not slaughter the mother and child on the same day these are mitzvahs that that because we have to learn to be kind and benevolent and and just and we don't cause pain to animals because they do experience pain the same way humans do however so so uh, an animal grieves a human grieves also you know if a human's upset and sad because they lost something they could, they could also have no appetite that's not a hunger strike. Hunger strike is what Nathan Sharansky did, uh, the Refusnik in, in the Soviet Union, where he went 120 days refusing food. And they would have to put a pipe down his, down his esophagus everyday every two days and pour like this protein mass into his inner to keep him alive. That's a hunger strike that an animal can't do. To be depressed, an animal can do, and to experience uh, uh, death and bereavement, an animal can do. Uh but it cannot do that. That's what I meant by Hunger Strike. The the press go? didn't eat but wasn't doing a hunger strike. So on what grounds God determines how a of soul should be rich or poor or blind We don't know. Well, life, Well, we don't. We don't. We don't know. But uh, there's. There's. I clearly have another th- a fourth class on this. Also, that exactly, because there are other statements in the Talmud that talk about. Well, what do you do if you want to get rich? And, you know, there's ways to overcome that. You know, by sheer force of determination and prayer and other things, you could reverse this kind of. If someone really wants to be wealthy, but it happens to be that they're not wealthy by design of that uh, of 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 God determining what's going to be to their drop. Right? Yeah, some, some people are. You know, some people, you meet them, and you're like, how this guy made so much money? You know, not exactly the sharpest uh, knife in the drawer. Uh, but but they make the money because, you know, I'm sure you meet people in your business that are, like, they're just huge business, and you're like, okay, somehow the money just loves this guy, and just they just made it, despite the fact that they're just not so intelligent. You know, and some, some see people that are really intelligent, and really gifted, and went to Harvard Law School, and they... Mm-hmm. I don't know; it they just, they just doesn't work for them, you know. Why? Because there's an element of that, but there's other sources that discuss, like like what you said, that if someone wants to overcome that, they can't. So, like that—that's where the free will kind of plays in. What about personality? something
1: God gives you, or he yeah.
0: it's, you said the inherent? It's. Could be mom or dad. Yeah, and it's a, it's it's probably a mix of nature and nurture. It's it's related to where where you where do you get your needles from. Now, if, sometimes you see families that everyone's really quiet and neat, and you know You see the other families everyone's jolly making jokes and funny face, what do you mean it means that uh, the that there's that there's this uh, uh hard to define but just uh, countenance that a, that a live person has that a dead person doesn't have the face has a certain glow to it but uh, I'm sure if we go to the commentaries in the back uh, that might give us more insights but That's the simplistic Excuse understanding. Go ahead. So the Talmud says, the Talmud says, sleep is a sixtieth of death. That's a percent and a half of death. Why? Because there's a certain element of your soul leaving in a certain way. Of course, your your heart's still pumping. You're still alive. The software is still there, but it's being updated. It's a nice example. <laughs> it's like being updated, right? When you turn on your computer, what it's like. You do with or what, uh, we'd have to give other uh <laughs> other <laughs> metaphors <laughs> but it's a good metaphor it's like yes it the software is still there it's but it's updating it you know it's being updated so yes you know there is a certain element of the so soul so editing, but it's still there. Soul in
1: the room is updating. where we are sleeping it's
0: updating in that same room what you mean? i don't
1: understand Your soul does
0: not leave your body yeah, your soul's still within your body. That's it's right.
1: It's inside and it's updating.
0: Yeah, that's a nice way to say. It. I made that up right now, but uh, that's that's the idea. If we follow the metaphor of of hardware and software, that's what we would say, it's still there, but it's updating. So dreaming is like. Seems like the dream. The dream is more of, a, of of a conscious and subconscious and unconscious discussion. It's relate. It will be related to one of the variants of the soul. sometimes um, yeah it's, it, sometimes there is elements of prophecy that that are you know I'm, I'm sure the it's happened talk
1: about it in the Torah, huh the dreams
0: are that's right
1: because that's
0: oh, right every dream means dream means right right. Means else. right 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 so the Talmud there's a, about four pages of the Talmud in fact in this book this one all the way at the end of the, the four pages, enormous pages in Talmud that talk about all dreams and what they mean and what they could mean, what they don't mean, when they don't mean anything, when they do mean something. You know, if you see this, if you see that, it's like lists of hundreds of things, what you it's see, it's what they mean. To relate to the soul, though. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the soul or or some degree of prophecy. You know, I I had, a, I had I met a guy yesterday uh, for lunch. And he told me that he had an experience. This is a guy who doesn't believe in God or anything. Oh, he does, he's a of an agnostic. So therefore, he has a problem whenever he sees something which is a, too much of a coincidence for it. Because he never, ever, ever remembers his dreams. Ever. Never. One time, he remembers his dream, and in his dream, he had a very bizarre dream. And the next day, he woke up and he remembered it. And the whole day was bothering him. What was his dream? He wasn't able to urinate. And when he urinated, it was urinating all these different colors. I'm sure that would freak him out, I guess. He somehow he remembered it, Right fine, the whole day he's bothered by this. He gets a call from his dad. Last night, in the middle of the night, I felt terrible. I went to the hospital and they found out that I have a urinary tract infection. <laughs> My friend told me to this that. yesterday. So he's like, and he, but he never in his life remembered a dream. He doesn't remember any dreams. And he remembered this one time a dream and he was about, he couldn't urinate and, it was, and then he wasn't able to and It was blood everywhere and then his dad told me he had a urinary tract infection. And he was in the hospital that same night. So he said, "Oh, it's probably just a coincidence." That's what he said, but and I don't know. Maybe it was a coincidence. Oh. Uh, okay, probably. <laughs> I I think it's remarkable to have such a yes. specific dream and to it be so out of character. And so, what am I saying? Do I know what it means? No. I'm, but is there this idea of dreams having certain realities? Absolutely. So we're continuing. Go ahead. Your
1: family member is dead in your
0: dream. Also, that's also discussed. Is that the soul connecting to? Uh is that the soul connecting? Um, I don't know. In the dream, you know. I don't know. It's a good question. It's a good question. Yes, yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I'm sure over those four pages of Talmud, it discusses what happens when you meet someone who is since deceased. That's a good question. Anyhow, um, okay. So when the child, did, mm-hmm. when does the child get the? When does the child get the? Uh, The soul at conception. When does a child get the Yetzirah? Do you guys know what the Yetzirah means? Evil inclination. What is an evil inclination? It's a force. It's a power. It's an entity that is not essential, but it's a force within ourselves that compels us to favor the body over the soul.
1: No, evil, evil inclination. I
0: whether you do better good. What I it a said? child doesn't call his father Abba until he eats bread. That's what it says. Either way, the Talmud here continues and says Antoninus asks, uh, Mark's real, Antoninus asks, asks, asks Rabbi to the Prince, when does a child get the Yitzhara? So they say that he gets it. At birth. At birth. So the the soul comes at conception. Nine months later, when the child's about to be born, the child's being born, the, uh, the child gets the forces that are going to compel him to favor the body over the soul. Okay? Just hold that thought for a second. And then it proves it, it corroborates it from a verse in Scripture, in Genesis, that says... Lefetach chatas rovets at the entrance sin crouches. Okay, so if I ask you when does someone get a soul, you'll say at conception. Why? Because just like a meat cannot withstand uh, uh, and, and preserve itself, self-preserve until it, uh, unless it's salted. So we cannot have life without our without our, uh, without our um, soul. When does someone get the yetsara? At birth. And it's corroborated from a verse in Genesis that says, "Lefeta Chatas rov." at the entrance sin crouches. Okay, you got to hold that thought for a second. Now we need everyone's attention now because this is this is like a little bit of work, a little bit of mental uh, gymnastics or mental acuity required. Too late, but there's a good payoff. There's a good payoff.
1: Oh, okay. God.
0: Okay. Has anyone here ever heard about what the child does in utero? learns. What does a child learn? child okay. learns the whole Torah. Okay? Anyone knows what happens to that whole Torah? What happens when the child is about to be born? Forget. What happens? The angel comes. And angel, oh, an angel comes. That
1: I've heard, and then your brother said, no, just a superstition. Oh, no, nice. The angel comes.
0: Well, that's not a supposition. That's in, that's in the Talmud. The Nida 30b. Oh, the so supposition is that, that this indentation. The angel says, yeah. Okay. So it's like this. A child in utero knows the whole Torah. As they're about to be born, as they're about to be born, an angel comes and touches it, touches it on its mouth, makes it forget it. So I was always taught, by the way, until I saw the actual uh, Talmud inside from the sources, I was always taught that an angel teaches the child Torah. Did you ever hear that? The angel teaches the Torah? It's actually yeah, not true. The idea. angel makes the child forget. Okay. So, so
1: that's who that's teaches
0: it? Good question. It's a soul, a soul, a soul. So, so whether, you're, whether, whether you do it or not, not exactly. If you got a soul, then... But who teaches the child Torah? doesn't say. It's a good question. The angel makes the child forget the Torah. Who teaches the child Torah? I don't know. Well, let's hold off the question. Let's don't give any answers yet. That's question number one. Question number two. What's the value of having, learning something, and then for, yeah. if you're just going to forget it? in its entirety. In its entirety. Angel, come, hit you in the mouth, and you forget it.
1: Because when you, as you grow up,
0: and you start learning things, it like reinforces... Okay, that's a very that's a classic answer. That, that when, even though you forgot it, but it's easier to recapture it. That's, that's a classic answer. Hold that thought. Don't hold that thought. It's a good thought. Let's put it on the side for a second. I want to tell you guys one more thing. Here. The Talmud says, Child knows the whole Torah in utero. When they're about to be born, Angel comes, Gives it a little patch in the mouth, Forgets it. It brings a verse To corroborate this idea. Do you guys want to guess which verse it brings? It brings a verse from the beginning of Genesis. Lefetach At the entrance, sin crouches. The very same verse that in the other end of the Sea of Talmud, in the Book of Sanhedrin, so one's over here, and one's over here, it uses the same verse to tell us that a child gets the Yetzirah at birth. So the third question we have to ask is that there's a general principle in all of Talmud, one verse, one law. You can only use each verse one time. If you want to teach me two themes, you gotta give me two verses. If you want to teach me three themes, you have to give me three verses. How, how do we know that we don't, we're not allowed to mix milk and meat in the Torah? Who knows what the verse is? Well, is That's right. The verse tells us, do not. Cook a kid in its mother's milk. Don't mix milk and meat. How many times does it say the verse don't cook a kid in its mother's milk? Three times. Once to tell us that you cannot cook milk and meat. Number two, that you cannot consume milk and meat. Number three, you cannot benefit from milk and meat. How come it need to say it three times? Because there's a rule. Every verse, one verse, one law. You want three laws? You got to give me three verses. This Talmud seems to be in conflict with that principle. I have two laws, or two ideas. Number one, child forgets the whole Torah. Angel comes, says, and forgets the whole Torah. Which verse am I using for that? <coughs> At the entrance, sin crouches. I want to tell you another thing. Child gets the eight Sahara. Child gets the infant inclination if- if- at at birth. I can't use the same verse twice. How does the Talmud, even though it's different parts of the Talmud, but they're using the same verse? There's no two verses, only one verse. How do you use the same verse twice? We know as a principle in all of Talmud. You can only use one verse for one law. The answer! This is where the path comes, guys. When a child's in utero, so someone asks, who teaches the child Torah? What do we say? When, do the child, when does the child get the soul? At conception. At conception. What's a soul? Oh. What is a soul? Soul is something which is the flame of God. Can we think of anything else as the flame of God? What else is the flame of God? Oh. The Torah! Exactly. So, the soul is an entity which is pure Torah. Thus, the child has a soul. By proxy, they have Torah. They don't need anyone to teach it to them. You ask who taught it to them, they don't need to have a soul. <laughs> what happens? Comes a long birth, one thing happens. The child gets the HRA. But as a result of that, they forget the Torah. Why? Because, like we said, with we the body and the soul. Suddenly, the influence of the body is submerging the soul deep within someone. If I punch you, you feel it. If I punch your soul, you don't feel it. Why? Because your soul is buried under this mountain of your body that happens at birth. You forget your Torah. What do you mean? How do I forget the Torah? It's in my soul. Yes, you still have it within you. It's still on your soul. But it's far from your consciousness because it's buried now. So essentially, if I ask you, the verse that tells us, at the entrance, sin crouches. What are, how many laws does it teach us? How many lessons does it teach us? How, only one. But that one has multiple ramifications. You have the Eitzahara, you have the influence of the body, and now what happens to the soul? The soul is demoted. The soul is now submerged. The soul is now buried within ourselves, and therefore we don't remember it. Because just like we said, you don't have that uh, sensory link with your soul anymore. But what's the purpose of forgetting the Torah? So you didn't forget it, that's the point. You didn't forget it. But it escaped your comp- consciousness. You, you said God
1: makes it uh, send angels to make it
0: forget it. Okay, so that's why it's a little nuance here. You for, what does the angel do? The angel just gives you the power of the eight That's what the angel does. And why the mouth, and how the mouth is the, there's a lot of more details here that I'm not we're not getting into. The mouth is 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 the channel with which the Torah is given to us. You don't actually forget it. Your soul doesn't change. Your soul still knows the whole Torah. It's just that you forget it from your consciousness because now you have something else which has pushed your soul all the way back to the back seat. And essentially, your lot, your job in your life, like we said, you have got the body and the soul. Your job is to uplift your body and let the influence of your soul shine forth. This very good
1: question. <laughs> yes. If we remember the Torah while we are going uh, then we would be a better person.
0: Of course, but then it would, but then it would be no fun because everyone would be <laughs> a great person. It wouldn't be no challenge.
1: Then, <laughs> to me, the big question is <clears throat> why. Why what? Why was it necessary for the angel to come down?
0: And... Yeah, that's what because I remember, mean. if we did not have, if we didn't have the influence of the body, if we didn't have the yets then we wouldn't be able to get any reward for any of our actions because we had no conflict. It's like you're saying, hey, uh, I I went to the gym and I was holding this bar and it was great, and the trainer comes and puts weights on it. Oh, now I can't lift it. Well, why did they do it for me? Uh, it was perfect earlier. Uh, yeah, it was perfect, but there was no challenge. And if there's no challenge, there's no growth. Okay, no That's right.
1: Rabbi, so, can somebody be soulless? Can you literally have a person that has
0: no soul? Well, you can have someone whose soul is so battered that it doesn't have any influence. They still have a soul, but their soul is so feeble and so weak. Yeah, yeah, it means, like you said. The the greatness is having your body uplifted to become more spiritual. Uh, wickedness is where your soul becomes enmeshed into your body, so your soul becomes weaker and weaker and weaker, and less spiritual, less less uh, uh, less remarkable. So closer to being soulless. So, yes, a take that oh up. yeah! Oh yeah! So we all start off with this I with this balance.
1: Like in
0: Alzheimer's patients, they don't know anything about That's the same all question. That. That. That's the same question you asked What about someone's in a coma? So someone doesn't have consciousness. It's yeah. not about consciousness. So it's why about reality? They, if they
1: don't know who they are or what, why can't the soul just
0: go away? Because that's not the way it is. The Almighty forces the soul for whatever reasons—reasons reasons that are, are are in His hands, not in ours. Uh, when does God decide? Okay. When only He I mean, yeah, it's, if we knew, well, then we would be able to know, do a lot more uh, steam and skydiving and anything like that. Yeah. We're good.
1: <laughs> the, the elevation of the soul
0: is. Just more and that elevation, oh, slow that, down. Yeah. Elevation of what?
1: Is, is elevation. As you're moving, not elevation. As you're moving to get closer to get your soul back, I I like to think of it as getting back to God, getting. Is that more like what Kabbalah
0: works for? Getting... Kabbalah is 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 a, is a is a field of scholarship within Torah that is um, uh, esoteric because it's only meant for people that have already studied all of Talmud and know them, know it backwards and forwards. So it's not really for our discussion. But these lessons that we talked about are from the Talmud itself. So Talmud is for all Jews. Uh, to learn the principles. So I, w- I wouldn't believe this would fall under the categories of, of Kabbalah. Uh, once you start breaking down the soul and the components of the soul, etc., etc., then you kind of run into the run the risk of, of di- of of dipping your toe into the whole Kabbalah um, world. That's uh, I don't feel comfortable talking about because I don't think I'm really holding at having that discussion on that, on that level. We are sent on this earth to repent for our sins. whoa. because this
1: earth no, no. is nothing; it's just suffering for some. Whoa,
0: people. whoa, whoa! Repent for our sin. We, if we're, if we're sent to repent, we we haven't done any sins, but then we're sent here. No, but there are
1: like some people really
0: suffering, you know. So that's another question. So that's that's a whole series of why uh, why see, we suffer not, and how we find meaning I mean, in it's suffering. It's
1: not good for some people who are blind totally can't see anything. Yeah, it's yes, that's a very,
0: there. very good question. These are all very good that's grave funny. Funny. These are but grave questions Whoa, there's always purpose yeah. But the blanket? Yes. We don't know. Yes, there's they fine have to find meaning in, I in, in there It comes in my store It's, it's,
1: it's where she, she, she could see and you know It comes in You know, it's about killing of innocent children. We don't see a lot of it here in the States, but Look around us globally. What's happening? Then, are you thinking? Getting something as simple as like, look at the horrors. Yeah. that occur Outside, like the Holocaust, the and World Trade Center. I mean, they are miserable deaths.
0: Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not put the Holocaust anywhere near yeah, World yeah. Yeah. Trade Center. No,
1: the World well, Trade
0: Center. No, 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 no! Not to stay with the whole thing, but the magnitude oh, and yeah, the enormity yeah. in, in in Auschwitz. They were killing every day twenty four thousand Jews, which is every single day means in uh, in uh, in two and a half hours every day in Auschwitz they were killing as many, as many people died in the World Trade Center. It's not at all comparable. But it's Holocaust.
1: Been, it's been going yes, on.
0: I'm saying it's it's a good question, but I'm saying let's not put them together. Okay, so what would we? What would be the next class? Right. So the next class, um, well, there's, there's more, but I think we'll stop here. I think we got a nice uh, little bit of information about the soul before, uh, before birth. Uh, there's some more stuff that I have here. I have, let's say, um, I guess I'll leave this for next class. Um, a little bit of uh, Abraham, Moses, and Adam, Adam, how Adam's soul and how that, how you we know, play Adam's soul versus his body. and What was the roots of the, the role of the Yetzirah and kind of, Manifestation of Moses. There's other things, and also uh, the the oath that a, a a child is administered before they're born as well. That uh, will feed very nicely. This very interesting this stuff. Very so we have more more stuff. Thank you so much. You. I appreciate that. I was about saying um, 40 days before conception, you like, so whatever.
1: No, um, no, not you're not
0: so. It's a prophetic voice. Okay. No soul, so, thing.
1: But does um, God decide? Where your soul is going? I mean, I'm curious as to if your soul is already there somewhere around, wherever it's supposed to be. I mean, how do
0: you put those into which? These are decisions that we don't have to make. Yeah. You know, the Talmud tells us we're here, and we know none of, none of us made decisions to be born, and we're here. That we're here because the Almighty put us here. We have to do the best with what we're dealt. And in fact, the Talmud tells us this may be relating to your question. For humans, it's better off, mostly, for most of us, that to not have ever been born, not have ever existed. More suffering than good. There's more risks, there's more pitfalls, there's more... It's better for a person to not been born more than he should have indeed, been, yes, been born. But now that we're born, we have to do our best. We have to study as much Torahs, we can't do as many mitzvahs as much kindness and charity and good things, good deeds as we possibly can to try to elevate our, our body and, and, uh, and protect and guard the sanctity of our soul. So yes, agreed. Uh, for many and most people, but we're here because they might have put us here, and let's do the best we can with the cards we are dealt. And be thankful for this. we
1: right, really hard, really that
0: because? well the reason why humans want to live as much as we can is because of that reason to us we have such a body first attitude that the idea of death is just oh, our body doesn't work anymore oh gosh we're done right so we're very terrified of that so we're terrified of death because we think you know our body is not working so what are we because we don't it's not only that, it's we feel that it's, that, that it's it. It's all over for us. But so, uh, let well, the answer this question. So that's why most people don't want to die. But even Jews don't want to die. Because here is the opportunity. Once you're dead, once your body is not married to the soul anymore, you've got, you got no option. You can't do any mitzvahs. You can't wear tzitzis that you could buy for $10 in a store and fulfill a mitzvah. You have no free will. Exactly. you got no more opportunity. That's why we want to live as long as we can to do as many more, many as we can to grab as much as we possibly can of, of spiritual greatness. Your question.
1: I think he kinda of answers it, but uh, I'll say it, I don't want to prolong. class anymore. in the sad note I was thinking of Rabbi Cohn's situation. Well if he is on the same belief level you are, it was very apparent to all the discussions and charity and desire for him to prolong. Boy's passing mm-hmm. rather than looking at it from the more spiritual side. And I would believe that he and/or his wife, maybe he more than his wife, that's not the way it's perceived by some. Anyhow, that he did not. But if he had the same belief segment that we're talking we would say, well, it's something that's okay, it's something we. It's to very me. hard for f- yeah, a child but, to pass But, but our you see, the, the point, Any I fair. guess, for us guys, you right. know, at our level, if I can put right. myself at our level, you know, we're saying, yeah, you know, I miss this one, if he or she dies, i will in pain and all that. But for someone who's educated as you are and as he is, you would want to think maybe their would be a little different. Well, she said so they things like they, they do certain things that they always did with him, and they set the place for him, and so they they do believe that. Uh, for the the preser- no, but that's that, not the part I'm talking about. Preservation of life
0: is one of the biggest mitzvahs that there could right. possibly be, you know, and, and what I find remarkable about the cones uh, and their unfortunate situation. A, let, me,
1: let me go back. The preservation preservation of, of, life of life is one
0: of the biggest mitzvahs out there, exactly. But said, oh. yeah, uh, that
1: yeah, I can because see
0: that. life is opportunity and life is all you know, it's valuable, every second is valuable. Okay.
1: Oh, well, I would think what Barry is getting at that they were trying to prolong his life, but he was suffering so bad
0: that you know, yeah, it's a decision, so it's hard. decisions, and it's a situation we hope we'll never get to. But I think what's remarkable about what, what they taught all of us, um, throughout this most challenging episode was their unshakable faith, you know, and the lessons. That we could take from from looking at that, you know, and despite the fact that they were dealt uh, such a difficult situation, and you know how, said, how they, they never made. they never lost it, they never right. abandoned it, they they and you know.
1: Every day there might be something that would happen that would turn it around and look. I I know I got a lot of people to sign that petition and 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 she got a hundred thousand signatures in a short period of time, and then the F. DA or whatever is food and drug, waited so long to finally give the go ahead. He had passed, but, uh, but they tried everything. They didn't well, leave understand. a stone unturned. It's, it's, it's that, it's that uh, psyche that you're talking about that I don't quite mesh, except with the simple statement that preservation of life everything.
0: That everything is in the basements of the world.
1: And if and if it's your, Not your the biggest miss like, you in the world. Imagine that I know people have lost children and they're Oh we're talking horrible. They're they're